0: So tonight, we are back. We're back in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we took a break last week. For those of you who were here, we took a break uh, to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, I'm pretty sure it's familiar to a lot of you. We went over Luke 15. It's, you know, the parable. It's commonly called the prodigal son or the lost son. And, and it was amazing. You know, it's, it's one of those portions of Scripture that you can look at over and over and over again. And every time you look at it and study it out, like the depth of God's love and his character— it's just more on display. It's, it's more deeply understood. Uh, it's beautiful. But this week, we're back to the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, my, my believers, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I hope you brought your Bibles. And let's go ahead and turn them to Matthew chapter 6. And the title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, uh, is Think Fast. Think fast, because we are going to be looking at the topic of fasting. So uh, before we do that, though, let us, let us pray. Father, I pray that you would humble us. God, I pray that your character and who you are and how glorious you are, God, that, that would bring us to a place of humility, a place where we can really hear from you, God, I pray that you would empty us, empty all of us, God, of ourselves, empty us of ego, empty us of pride, empty us of arrogance, empty us of the stuff that we've been dealing with this week, God. Help us to stop looking at the things that we've been going through and help us right now in this moment to look at you, God. I pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's read our verses for the night. Oh, no. I need to get my music stand. I'm sorry, guys, because I'm going to sing. Just kidding. i got to put my Bible up there. Because we actually go through the Bible here at Court Church and at Zeal. So I'm not just telling you guys to bring your Bibles. I've got to bring my Bible, too. All right, so Matthew chapter 6. Yeah, so we'll read our verses for tonight. So Matthew chapter six, verses 16 through 18, it says this. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who sees in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you And so here again, Jesus is, he's giving his disciples and us the the proper understanding of how we should go about doing something. Um, At the start of chapter six, if you guys remember, uh, Jesus told us uh, to make sure that our our giving and our good deeds, uh, that they were coming from the correct heart. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, verse one, if you want to look at it. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying, don't do things uh, for the accolades or the recognition. Do them from a pure heart, with the intention of, of no one ever finding out. And, and, if, and if it were possible, that God would never find out. You're, you're not doing these things, these good things, uh, to even get recognition from God, to try to manipulate him into giving you some sort of reward or blessing, to give you something in return. When, when you have the right heart, God will, he will reward and bless your giving, but the blessing or the reward should not be the aim. And so then Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So again, he's saying, don't, don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to be seen, uh, to be viewed as super spiritual, you know, to, to put a show of your piety through your prayer. you know. My wife, she shared a quote with me the other day. It's not 100% relevant to what Jesus is saying here about prayer, but it brings up a good point about the heart that we should have during prayer. So I'm loosely paraphrasing this quote my wife shared. It says, we often put our faith in our preferred outcome to prayer, rather than putting our faith in the fact that God, who we claim to trust, would do what is right and good according to his will and character. Our faith needs to be in who we're praying to and not what we're praying for. The point is that our prayers ought to be God-focused and God-centered. Even if it's a prayer for something that we want, and, and the heart behind our engaging in prayer, it ought to be also God-focused and God-centered and not for our own image and for our own recognition as we pray. So Jesus, he, he provided correction for self-centered giving. He provided correction for self-centered prayer. And now he's providing correction for self-centered fasting. And before we get into Jesus's correction of it, uh, I believe that we first need to understand what fasting is, right like what, what is fasting, and the best way to understand what fasting is is to look at the scriptures let 's look through the Word of God to see what fasting is. There are a lot of ideas out there of, of what fasting is, a lot of powerful and, and meaningful explanations, but often when I hear those those explanations uh, i 'm left wondering how exactly they got to those conclusions because fasting isn't necessarily something that's explained in the bible you know fasting is just kind of assumed and 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 it's practiced without any real reasoning provided and so we're going to look through different portions of the word tonight so just like we did a couple of weeks ago, prepare to, to flip through your Bibles. And if you're not familiar with your Bible, there's a table of contents in the beginning of your Bible. So if there's a book you're unfamiliar with, just go to the table of contents and that will tell you where the book is. Uh, so we're going to be looking at different portions of the word to see what fasting is, to see what it looked like and why it was done. Um, And then we'll get into Jesus' words at the conclusion of our study. And, of course, this is what I'm going to be saying tonight. It's by no means, like, an exhaustive study on what fasting is. I'm not arrogant enough to to think that, like, oh, I'm going to be able to explain everything about fasting. No, I just—I'm not. I'm not that knowledgeable. But prayerfully, we can get a better understanding of fasting tonight for our own lives. And while a study of fasting— Through the scriptures, it will yield several reasons and motivations for fasting, and will therefore give us several ideas of what fasting is. I think it's probably best to start by uh, talking about what fasting isn't, what, what what fasting is not. So, firstly, fasting is not something that is commanded for us to do by Scripture. We're not commanded to fast. It's not something that we are required to do, uh, nor do we get the sense that fasting must happen in a Christian's life. It's something that does happen, and we see it all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, but it is not a requirement. It is very much something that is left up to the will of the believer. Secondly, fasting is not a way to gain merit with the Lord. It's not a way to gain good standing with the Lord. Fasting does not make you more righteous in God's eyes, and fasting doesn't give you more righteousness in God's eyes, or even just practically speaking. Fasting is not, in and of itself, a way of, to, to get to greater godliness. Like, oh, I fasted, therefore I'm more godly now. I fast two or three times a week, so, you know, my godliness level is it's up here. It's not the case. Thirdly, fasting... Is not a cheat code to to gain a greater and deeper spiritual understanding of something. Some mystical religions out there, they teach that in order to have a better insight into something, that you need to fast and you need to meditate uh, in order for your mind to be clear so that you can be spoken to. I'm I'm sure demons love talking to those people. Guarantee it. And fourthly, fasting is not a means to control or sway or appease God. Definitely not. Like, I really want this specific outcome, so I'm going to fast, and that way God will be forced to do what I want him to do. Nah. So there are many things that fasting isn't, of course. Many things that fasting isn't, but those are kind of the highlights as far as I'm concerned. Now, what fasting is, what fasting is in the most practical sense and the definition of fasting is abstaining from food, either partially or totally for various periods of time. That's what fasting is. It has to do with food. Uh, many people, including myself, I'm guilty of this, many people have used the word fast when they're, they're talking about taking a break from a specific activity. Like, oh, I'm fasting from social media right now. Or I'm fasting from, from watching TV right now. Like, I'm on, I'm on one of those fasts in this current season of my life myself right now, and that's cute and all, but that's, that's not what the word fast means, you know, we're, we're using the word fast incorrectly, you know, it's an abstinence from food, is what fasting is, you know, my, my mind sometimes, it's, it's so literal, and so, like, I, I can't, I can't see beyond, like, What's actually there? Like, it, it, like I'm like a literalist, realist, and it messes up some good times that I could be having. Like, um, you know, my son will be watching Paw Patrol. You guys, you guys know Paw Patrol. You guys watch Paw Patrol? Anybody got any kids in their lives? Yeah, Paw Patrol. You know, we'll be watching Paw Patrol, and you know, they'll be, you know, they're just they're just chilling in Adventure Bay, you know, and 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 then Mayor Goodway gives them a call, and she's like, oh, you know, writer, we, we need some help. Chickaletta is on the roof, you know. And uh I'm saying names y'all probably don't know. It's okay, don't worry about it. You'll get there. Um you'll you'll get on my level one day. Uh and so like we need help. And so Ryder's like, all right, let's go get the Paw Patrol over. He pushes a little button on his little the little pad that the pup pad, and, and then Ryder needs us, and all the pups go running and they go up this elevator in this tower, they have this building, and then they get into their vehicles, and it's just like they got tricked out vehicles, and 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 it's a fun thing, like, yeah, they're gonna go save the day, but the whole time, I'm just like, who's funding this? Like, like is, this, is this, like, taxpayer-funded? Like, who, how, how can they afford this? Because it doesn't look like there are many businesses in Adventure Bay. Like, it's just Mr. Porter's grocery store, and I don't know what else, but, like, who, like is Ryder, like, an, an heir to a trillion-dollar estate or something? Like, is he the... Because, like, in, in the movie, they, they, they go from Adventure Bay, they go to Adventure City. And in Adventure City, they have like this brand new facility. It's like a 30-story building, and it's like all decked out, and they have these crazy new vehicles, crazy new like little gadgets and stuff to save the day. And the whole time, I'm just like, who's paying for this? Um, So it kind of ruins my good time, you know, Just the fact that sometimes I just have to be so literal and real. So fasting, fasting means abstaining from food. That's how I got there. Um, But as we look at the scriptures— to give us an idea of what fasting is and and why people fasted. Uh, Let's first turn to Leviticus chapter 16. That's the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 16, it is the third book of the Bible. I think, I'm tired. Leviticus 16. And so here in Leviticus 16, uh, we're going to find the only instance, the only instance In the Bible, where fasting was commanded by God. And and it was specifically related to the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement, for those who don't know, it was the day that the high priest of God, he would slaughter a bull, slaughter a goat, and then they would um, send another goat away into the wilderness to die. And these animal sacrifices and the other tasks that happened on the Day of Atonement, uh, they symbolized payment for sin. It was payment for sin. Instead of the people paying for the penalty of sin themselves, the Lord, he provided substitutionary sacrifices. This, of course, is looking forward to the ultimate substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Uh, but this is what it says in Leviticus 16, verses 29 through 31. It says, this is, to be, this is to be a permanent statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to practice self-denial and do no work both the native and the alien who resides among you. Atonement will be made for you on this day, this day of atonement, to cleanse you, and you will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest for you, and you must practice self-denial. It is a permanent statute. Now, as we read that, you may be thinking, I didn't see a single word about fasting in those verses. Well, when the verses talk about self-denial, this is understood to mean fasting. This was the practice of the Jews that carried throughout the history of, of, of Israel. And it was just understood that practicing self-denial meant fasting. And so here, again, like I said, this is the only instance where fasting is commanded by God. This is, it's a command. But why? why? Why fast? Well, the scriptures don't tell us. Obviously, you just read it. The scriptures don't tell us. But I believe that we can, that we can conclude That the great significance and the great magnitude of this day, this day of atonement, had something to do with it. This was the day that the price for sin was going to be paid. The payment for sin was going to be made, but it wasn't going to be at the expense of the sinners who should be the ones making the payment. The seriousness and the severity of sin's consequences was going to be on full display On this Day of Atonement. We're going to take an innocent bull. We're going to slaughter it out in the open. We're going to cut it into pieces. We're going to collect its blood, and we're going to sprinkle its blood on various items, and then we're going to burn most of it. And then we're going to take an innocent goat. We're going to slaughter it out in the open. We're going to cut it up into pieces. We're going to collect its blood, and we're going to sprinkle the goat's blood on various items. And then we're going to take another innocent goat, and we're going to symbolically transfer our sins onto this goat, this innocent goat. And then we're going to chase it out of the camp. I mean, the goat's probably just like, what's going on? Like, I got food waiting for me at home? I don't know. Can I just go back home? But no, this goat was not going to be able to come back home. They chased this thing out into the wilderness. They, they sent it out into the wilderness to die with the, with the sins transferred onto that goat. And most likely it was going to be mauled by a predator. All because of the people's inability to live lives that were pleasing to God. So in recognition of this day, in recognition of this day, we're not eating, the Lord was saying. This, this is a serious thing that's happening. If not for this ceremony, the people were left to pay for their own sins. So don't even think about gratifying yourself, gratifying your flesh on this day where all of your self-gratification has led to this slaughter that we are witnessing. Today, you will deny yourself. So that's our first example of fasting. So as we, as we move along, turn your Bibles, please, to Exodus 34. It's one book earlier, one book to the left. Exodus 34. In this chapter, uh, Moses is now on Mount Sinai for the second time. He's he's, the second time he's on Mount Sinai. Uh, The first time he went up to Mount Sinai, he was with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Lord gave him the law. He gave him the law written on tablets of stone. And it says this in Deuteronomy 9.9. It says, when I went up, this is Moses speaking, when I went up the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat food or drink. So the first time he went up Mount Sinai, he fasted. He didn't eat or drink. And after this, Moses... Unfortunately, he had to go back to the Israelite camp to handle some, some sin business. They started acting a little crazy. An idol was being worshipped with, uh, with a drunken sex party. Uh, so, you know, people got killed. People got killed. A golden statue got ground into powder, and the people were forced to drink the dust of that golden statue with their water. Uh, and in anger, unfortunately, when Moses saw everything that was happening, he had the stone tablets, and he threw them down in anger because of what he was seeing, how quickly these people turned from God. Like, he just got us out of Egypt. And already he's like, no, it wasn't God. It was this golden calf that we literally just made. Uh, so that was annoying. So Moses had to go back up to Mount Sinai for round two. So let's look at Exodus 34, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, "'The Lord said to Moses, "'Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, "'and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, "'which you broke.' be prepared by morning, come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountaintop. So Moses goes up, the Lord takes care of business, he does what he does. And so let's jump down to verse 28. It says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat food or drink water. And God wrote the 10 commandments, the words of the covenant on the tablets. So on two separate occasions, on two separate occasions, Moses, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So what can we glean from this instance of fasting? What can we take away from this instance of fasting? And I think that the most obvious thing that we can take from this is that when you are in the presence of the Lord, the physical needs, your physical needs are supernaturally met apart from naturalistic methods. Like God, God's presence is all satisfying. Psalm 16, I've shared this verse quite a few times in the past. It says that in his presence there is fullness of joy, and in his right hand there are pleasures that last forever. This is God's presence, and his presence is nourishing. And another thing that another thing that we can glean is that Moses, he must have been so focused. He must have been so focused on God that food was not on his mind. Like, I'm in the presence of God. Like, God is right here. Like, I'm in a I'm in cloud on this mountaintop. I am in the presence of God. And I'm, and I'm receiving this revelation from God. I'm not thinking about food right now. Like, how could I possibly think about food right now? The significance and the magnitude of the revelation of God was so powerful and distracting in a good way. But keep in mind that the fasting that Moses was doing, it was not a means of manipulating God into showing up or coercing God to give him a revelation. God told him to come up and that he was gonna give him a revelation. He told him to come up the mountain both times. And so it's just like, come here, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. Now, for the purposes of keeping abuses of this idea in check, I just want to highlight something. I always feel the need to, to highlight certain things to prevent abuses of, of scripture and stuff like that. Moses, he went up. He went up to meet with God, and God revealed himself. God revealed himself in a major way. The first time that he went up, God, God even, he had his goodness pass by Moses, and, and, and Moses saw the tail end of God's glory and his goodness. So Moses, he had these amazing experiences. He had these amazing experiences being in the presence of God. I'm emphasizing the word experience for a reason. And when the time, that time of a re, a, amazing revelation came, when when that time of of amazing revelation was done, after the experience was done, what did Moses both times leave the presence of God with? Anybody want to take a stab at it? He was in God's presence, experiencing God's presence. Just shout it out. The law. He, He came down the mountain both times with God's word. So for all of, perhaps, for all those hyper-charismatics out there, for those who think being led by the Spirit has no boundaries, the Word of God would state otherwise. It would state otherwise. People often talk about not putting God in a box. I know a lot of people will say that. A lot of people will say, don't put God in a box. But sometimes what they actually mean when they say that is that their ideas about God and their ideas about God's movement in their lives that they should be accepted even if it goes against what God's word already says. There's no box. We don't put God in a box. There's no box. There's the word. There is the word. Psalm 138 verse two, it says, you have made your word great according to all your name. Psalm 56, it says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. God places great emphasis on his word. Great emphasis on his word. It is his revelation about himself. And so Moses fasted. Moses Moses fasted while in God's presence. He, He fasted in anticipation of receiving from God. So now let's look at the book of Ezra. Let's go to the book of Ezra. This might be one of those where you gotta look at the table of contents, and that's okay. I'll give you some extra time. Let's go to Ezra. Ezra chapter eight. Ezra chapter eight. And so, as you guys, as some of you, continue to turn there, uh, in this portion of scripture in Ezra chapter eight, the Israelites they they, they had been in captivity. They went into captivity. They were being punished by God for their disobedience. But now, in Ezra chapter 8, they were going to be able to return to their land. You know, so before they made the trip from Babylon to Jerusalem to go back home, uh, this is what it says in Ezra chapter 8, starting in verse 21. This is Ezra speaking. He said, I proclaimed a fast uh, by the Ahava River, so that we might humble ourselves before our God And ask him for a safe journey for us, our dependents and all our possessions. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect us from the enemies during the journey. Since we had told him, the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and pleaded with God, uh, with our God about this, and he was receptive to our prayer. So here Ezra, he tells us why he proclaimed a fast. He tells us exactly why it was to humble himself to humble himself and all of the people everyone who was about to go on this journey from Babylon to Jerusalem uh, and they had refused provisions that were being provided by the king of Persia uh, because they were saying no, no no we trust God we trust our Lord and so when it came time to actually put that trust uh, you know they prayed to God basically just requesting of him you know they're like God, please don't let this, this, this confidence that we have professed in you to be used as, as an occasion for people to mock you. Like, so they, they, they fasted and they prayed. Re- regardless of the details, the purpose for the fasting in Ezra chapter 8 was to come to God in humility. To come to God in humility. God, he had already promised he already promised his people that they were going to be going back to Jerusalem, that they were going to go back to their homeland. God had, had promised this before they even went into captivity, wh- while he was still warning them, like, you guys need to repent, or else I'm going to send you into captivity, but you guys are not going to repent, so I'm going to send you into captivity, but I'm going to bring you back. You're going to come back. So God had already promised this. He promised this before they even went into captivity. And so here the Lord, in Ezra chapter 8, he's just fulfilling the promise that he had made to his people He's fulfilling his promise. The Jeremiah 29, 11 promise. A lot of you are familiar with this promise. The promise where the Lord says to Israel, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Imagine that, Jeremiah 29, 11 being quoted in context in a church service, that's weird. But anyway, you will seek me, he goes on to say, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. And so the promise was already made and and God was going to get his people back to their promised land. He, he was going to get them back. And I don't believe that Ezra was doubting God and, and his promise when he proclaimed this fast. Uh, it, it's, it's what was stated in verse 21. It was to be in a state of humility. He proclaimed this fast in order to be in a state of humility. It's as if to say like, God, look, I know you're good. I know you're good. I know you're going to fulfill your promise, but I want to make sure that my heart, doesn't get puffed up and presumptuous as we begin to, to take this trip and then and then we stray again. I want to keep my heart humble as opposed to, yeah, yeah God's going to do it. Yeah, he's going to do it. We don't, no need to go to him. He's going to do it. Yeah, if he said he's going to do it, he's got to keep his word. What is he going to do? Is he going to lie? No, he's going to do it. We don't, we don't need to bother. Just like, I don't know if you guys remember, just like we looked at the model prayer, um, though we know that God is always going to provide our needs. God is always going to provide our nourishment, our daily bread. We are still told to ask in the model prayer for our nourishment, for our daily bread. We're still told to ask, not because he won't provide if we don't ask, but to keep ourselves humble and recognizing and understanding where all of our provision comes from. It all comes from God. And so we need to keep reminding ourselves lest we get puffed up. And so we're going to look at one more portion of scripture uh, about fasting. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start making our way back to Matthew chapter 6, but we'll take a a pit stop in in Matthew chapter 4 to look at another instance of fasting. And so let's just read Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, when Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, then Jesus, did I say when? I don't know. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's an understatement. Um, so what's happening here? What's happening here? Many of you know, because you know, you've, you've read this before, you've read these scriptures before, and we've gone over this portion of scripture at zeal over the course of four bible studies um by the way if you want to check those out you can go on spotify look up zeal young adults you can find all the bible studies there these particular studies on matthew chapter 4 they're not on youtube because we weren't recording videos then but anyway uh, but jesus he's about to begin his public ministry Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. After the 40-day the and 40-night fasting, he faces three temptations from the devil. Uh, he overcomes those temptations, obviously. And then a few more things happen. Chapter 4 ends and then begins the Sermon on the Mount. This, this sermon that we've been looking at uh, for almost a year now, and now we're just, just about halfway through. Um, so Jesus was fasting in preparation for the ministry that he came to accomplish. That's why he was fasting. He, he also fasted in preparation for the battle that was about to take place when the devil would come to tempt him. And at the heart of Jesus's fasting, at the heart of Jesus's fasting was an exercise of humility and self-denial. His entire ministry was going to culminate in the greatest act of humility and self-denial that the world had ever seen. When he would go to the cross. And that's really at the heart of all true fasting. All true fasting, in, in, That you know, we, lo- we look at a, a bunch of different examples of fasting in the scripture, and at the heart of a lot of these instances of fasting, it's an act of self-denial. It's a confession and a concession that there is something much larger and more significant taking place than our own self-centered ideas. And I don't necessarily mean self-centered in the negative way. It could be in the negative way, but just the way that the word is defined, like we're, we're concerned about ourselves, like we're concerned about legit needs. And so it's, it's self-centered. Uh, it doesn't have to be negative. Um, but in fasting, in fasting, you are admitting that you are not the greatest concern. You're not the greatest concern. And, and you're choosing to focus on the one who is, you are denying yourself. You're denying yourself. And, and though we only looked at a few examples of fasting tonight, there, there's so many. There's so many examples of fasting. I encourage you guys, like, just, just look up the word fasting or did not eat. Like, go to BibleGateway.com and just look up these terms and look at all the examples of fasting to get a sense of 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 what fasting was. And you'll see that a lot of times the purpose behind it was was self-denial for the purpose of being God-focused. And there are instances in the word where people are fasting while at war and they're seeking the Lord. And you get the sense that they were grieved about the war that was going on, that the war that they were fighting, they were grieved about it and they were weeping, it says. They fasted and they asked the Lord if they should continue the battle. When, when the child uh, that, came out of, that came as a result of, of David's adultery with Bathsheba, when that baby was born, that baby got really sick, deathly sick. And David fasted. He, he was pleading with God for the boy's life, the Bible says. He was fasting and he just became a pile of emotions on the floor. Like he couldn't even get up. There are instances in the Bible of, of people being humbled by the Lord due to their sin, and when they 're confronted about it, they, they fast in, in humility and repentance. There's an instance in Esther where uh, the, there was a plan to exterminate all of god 's people, all of the Jews. there was a plan to exterminate all of them. <laughs> that plan happened again, you know that plan was, they, they tried to do it again, but there was a plan to destroy all of the Jewish people and and Esther. She was going to go before her husband, the king, in order to plead for his help. Like, my people are about to get destroyed. Uh, And so all the Jews, they fasted for three days and three nights, leading up to the day that Esther would go stand before her husband, the king, something that could have ended in her execution. And so they fasted. And most certainly they were praying while they were fasting. Fasting is an activity. Fasting is an activity that is supposed to be humbling. It's supposed to be humbling. When people fasted, they were humbling themselves and they were falling on the mercy of God. They were falling on his will. They were falling on his revelation. They were falling on whatever God wanted to do. Whatever you want to do, that's what we want. And they were fasting for that reason. Whatever that meant. You know, when the people who were at war, when they fasted and they sought the Lord, uh, if, if they should continue uh, in the, in the battle, they were commanded to continue battling, continue killing their own countrymen, because in that moment, they were being used as a tool for God's punishment on some of the Israelites. When David fasted for that baby, that baby died. That baby didn't make it. When Esther and the Jews, when they fasted, God spared his people. So we fast not to get our desired result, but we fast in order to humble ourselves and to accept whatever God has. It goes back to that quote that I shared about prayer. It's it's not about the activity of fasting producing our desired result. It's about the activity of fasting humbling us and causing us to be God-focused and God-centered which brings us back to our verses in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. I'll just read them again. It says, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus said, Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. When you fast, don't make yourself look worse than you actually, uh, make yourself look worse than you actually look in order to make it obvious to people that something's going on. Like, oh, wow, it looks really bad. It must be fasting. In Jesus's day, fasting had become such a spectacle that there would be instances of people they would put on like some sort of makeup on their face to make themselves look more like drab and just kind of like, you know, just tired or whatever. They would make themselves look unwell. Uh, And Jesus said that those who get recognized, those who got recognized, those who who made it obvious that they were fasting, when people noticed them, that was all of the recognition that they were going to get. That was all the blessing that they were going to get. The human recognition was their reward, and that's all that they were going to get. Their act of fasting went no further than a 10-foot radius. Their their act of fasting did not ascend to the throne of God. It, It stopped at the first set of eyes that saw them and recognized what they were doing. And as we looked at the examples of fasting in the scriptures, fasting for the purpose of being seen by others is the furthest thing from what the actual purpose of fasting was and is. There were several reasons that people fasted in the scriptures, but I believe the reasons that are of utmost importance for our purposes tonight were to humble yourself, to deny yourself. We, we fast while we cry out to God in prayer. We fast while we wait on God. We fast in order to admit and confess that we need God, that we need less of ourselves and that we need more of him. We need more of his will. We are denying ourselves. In Luke nine twenty three, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. When we fast, we are denying ourselves. That's what it said in Leviticus. You know, they, they were to practice self-denial. That's what it said, which meant fasting. And when we fast, we need to make it inconspicuous. We need to make it inconspicuous. No one should know. No one should know that you're fasting. We shouldn't be making it obvious. Oh, brother, pray for me. I'm so hungry. Why? Oh, I'm fasting. I'm on hour 23. I slept for 16 of those. Like, come on. <laughs> don't lie. Some of, y'all, some of y'all have done that before where you're like, I'm going to fast for like three days. But you, like, you, you, you make sure like, oh, I'm going to sleep a lot. So I don't have to feel it. Anyway, um, But when we fast, it needs to be inconspicuous. It it shouldn't be obvious. It should actually be the opposite. We should be looking fly as ever when we're we're fasting, is what Jesus was saying, if we're going to use modern day terms. Um, We should be looking good. Like We should be looking fine. Shower, get dressed, you know, put your makeup on, ladies. Dudes, put deodorant on, you know, shave your face. Unless you're trying to hide another chin, you know, in, in that case, just keep your beard, but... We're supposed to look presentable when, 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 we, when we fast. We're not supposed to be making it obvious. God sees when we do things in secret. Now that could be good or bad, but for, for, for our purposes tonight, it's good. God sees what we do in secret. He sees us fasting and no one knows. He sees us doing that in secret. He sees us humbling ourselves. He sees us declaring by our fasting that we need more of him and we need less of us He sees when we are confessing that through our fasting. And he also sees when we fast to try to manipulate him. He sees that too, to try to work a cheat code on him, and try to get something out of God by our fasting. Fasting is not a command. We are not required to fast. But when Jesus said, whenever you fast, it reveals that there was an expectation that though it was not commanded, his people would be people who fasted because his people would be those who knew that they needed the Lord. They know they need the Lord and they know they need to be humble and they know that they need to deny themselves. And here's something amazing that, that I kind of observed about the act of fasting. I, I hope this encourages you. If, if anyone is having a hard time in their walk, if anyone is having a hard time denying themselves in regards to sin and temptation, like you just keep falling and falling into the same sin over and over again, you're having a hard time denying yourself in that area. If you're in a place where you're just, you're, like I said, you're struggling in your walk. If you're in a place where you know you need more of God's word, but you just can't seem to just get into it. Like there's, why can't I just open the Bible and read it? Maybe you're in a place where you desire uh, for, your, uh, for your prayer life to be better. Or maybe you just want to have an, a prayer life that exists because right now it doesn't. If, th- if there's an area in your life where you know you need more of him and you know you need less of yourself, and you, but you just can't or you don't know how to get it done, fasting, fasting has a pretty low barrier to entry. And, and it will definitely help. I can confidently say, and I would, I would dare say, that nearly all issues that we're facing, especially the issues that I just listed off, nearly all issues that we face in life and in this walk, they have their solution in us denying ourselves in some way and following him. And speaking as a husband, I know that the majority, can't even say majority, I feel like 99.9999999% of all of the issues that may arise in my marriage is a result of either me or my wife not denying ourselves. The solution is in denial of self. And when denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus may seem like a difficult or even an abstract thing, like what does that mean? Well, fasting is a very simple place to start. It's a very simple place. It's, it's the best place to start. You don't need any fancy resources. You don't need, any, you don't need to go buy any, any commentaries by theologians. You, you don't need to find the right Bible study on YouTube. You know, I just, just gotta find the right Bible study. Hopefully I'll cry after listening to it. And maybe I'll find a Paul Washer uh, sermon because he cries a lot in his sermons and maybe that'll get me crying. You, know, like, you don't need to find the right Bible study on YouTube. Paul Washer's dope though, I'm just saying. Um, You don't need to be in the mood and create the atmosphere for God's presence. Just don't eat. Just don't eat. You take the time that you would have spent eating and most likely watching videos on YouTube or scrolling TikTok or scrolling Instagram. You take that time that you would have spent doing that and instead you spend time praying. Spend time praying to God about your specific battle. You cry out to God that that you don't want to be so self-centered anymore. That that you want to be done with this sin and this struggle that you keep falling to. That you want to deny yourself in in a specific area, and you are starting this pattern of self-denial through denying yourself a meal. Instead of spending time having a meal like you normally would, spend time in his word. I just can't seem to find the time to get into the Bible. I'm so busy. Skip a meal. Fast. And instead of eating, eat the word, the manna. It's not just the act of not eating. That does nothing for you. Just not eating does nothing for you. There are people who fast. I fasted for three days. Yeah, but what did you do? Nothing. I just suffered. (laughs) It's not the act of fasting. It's the act of not eating coupled with a spiritual pursuit of the Lord. Fasting is never a standalone spiritual discipline. It's always accompanied by prayer and crying out to God spending time with the Lord, waiting for his revelation, spending time in his word. You can pray without fasting. You can read the word without fasting, but you cannot fast without praying. You can't fast without getting into the word. It does nothing. It does nothing but make you miserable. Fasting isn't the spiritual mechanism by which you seek God. Rather, Fasting is something that can be used to help you focus on the spiritual mechanisms of prayer, getting into the word, worshiping the Lord. And as I said, if you're having a hard time denying yourself in certain areas of your life, just start by denying yourself a meal. It's that simple. Just start by denying yourself a meal. And while you are denying yourself a meal, pray to the Lord about that area or areas where you are having a hard time denying yourself. And though I am saying that fasting has a low barrier to entry and that you could could use fasting as a way to get the self-denial ball rolling, I don't want to reduce fasting to a mere tool or tip for a better spiritual life. I don't want to do that. When someone goes the route of fasting, it's not a small insignificant thing. It's not a small insignificant thing. There there is a realization has occurred when you decide to fast. Something you realize something. God revealed something to you. The Lord has revealed some sin in your life. The Lord has revealed some some blind spot in your life. Something majorly impacting has happened or is about to happen. There there is a great lack in the life of the believer. Something has been found out or brought to light or realized that moves you to a place where you know you need to be focused on God and not yourself. And to highlight this idea, I'll conclude tonight's message by by sharing something that a Bible teacher uh, once said, of a Bible teacher that was very influential in my younger believer days. This is what he said about fasting, and I'm, I'm loosely quoting. He said, fasting is not a means of manipulating deity. We are not going to gain favor with God by making ourselves suffer. It's all about one passion driving out another passion. And then he goes on to give this example. He says, let's say that I've desired for three years to go on a vacation with my wife. We've saved up for three years. We've talked about it for three years. We marked off the days on the calendar for three years. And after three years... I'm walking out the door, fully excited about this trip that I finally get to take with my wife. And right as I'm about to get into the car, my son comes out of the house, holding his head. He mumbles a few words, and then he falls over onto the ground. In that moment, I am not going to stomp my feet and whine about how after three years of planning, my trip is now ruined. No. At this point, he says, I will have totally forgotten about the trip. I could care less about the trip. If someone were even to mention to me that the trip is now ruined, I would look at them like they were a monster. Why? Because the passion I have for my son and his need has driven out every thought of every other passion. That is fasting. You are so concerned about an issue or person that food is no longer an issue in my life. That's what he said. That's good. So may we, may we be so concerned about the things of God that that should we see a barrier or an issue present itself in, in our lives the passion we have for God will overtake all other passions and, and we will deny ourselves to seek God's will, to seek his direction, to seek his revelation. Does anyone in here, you don't got to raise your hand, but does anyone in here need to start denying themselves? Has any, is anyone in here, have you, have you been just so self-indulgent that you, that you don't even know what it is to deny yourself anymore? And I'm asking that in that specific way because I've been there. You're just so used to, even as a believer, I'm talking to believers here. If, you're, if, you're, don't, if you don't believe in Jesus in here, you have no choice but to, to gratify your own desires. You're a slave to sin. More on that later. But I'm talking to the believers in here. Have you just, you've gotten so used to doing your own thing. I'm gonna do things my way. Yeah, the word of God, that's fine that the word says that. But I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do things my way. Denying yourself has become such a foreign thing that you don't even know what that is anymore. Is there anyone in here that an an issue has come up where the heart of the issue is self-centeredness and self-focus, which is the majority of all issues. All issues are self-centeredness and self-focus. Well, you need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross Deny yourself and follow him. Fast, fast and pray. If you don't know where to start, fast, fast and pray, but make sure that you are fasting in secret and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. What a blessing. Man, you got issues? You're having a hard time denying yourself? Deny yourself in skipping a meal or two in secret and Jesus said that your father who sees in secret will reward you. He will bless that. He will bless your, your self-denial. And he will come to your aid in these other areas of your life where you're having a hard time denying yourself. Because you're so selfish. That's just who we are. That's our flesh. Man, we got to mortify that flesh. We really do. Man, if you're not careful. Man, if you're not careful, Little things. I was just talking to a brother, I'm not gonna expose him, but I was talking to a brother, and he was just talking about how like, yeah, scrolling social media. Like it's, first of all, it's just a huge waste of time before you realize like, oh man, it's been three hours, wow. You know, and now you've gained nothing of value. It's just entertainment. And then every so often, little, little blips, little blips of things will pop up on the screen. You don't, you don't want to see those little blips, you don't want to see the, the, the promiscually dressed female. You don't want to see the people who are living the life you wish you lived. You're, you don't, you're not intending to see these things, but you do. But then you're just like, ah, just scroll past it, that won't affect me. That won't affect me. But every time you're doing that, every time there's an instance, every time there's a blip of something, the enemy's going to use that. The enemy's going to use that you need to start denying yourself. And it starts, you could start with fasting. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are gracious. Thank you that though we, we may be in a place where denying ourselves is, is such a foreign thing, like, what does that even look like? I thank you, God, that man you just you give us a very practical way to start doing that we we can practically deny ourselves by denying ourselves some food and instead of eating god we we can we can pursue you we can seek you out and so i thank you god that it's it's not your severity it's not your fear of judgment it's not your your you know the, the 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 reverence for your glory it's it's not all of these other things it's not these scary things that lead us to repentance god it's it's your kindness that leads us to repentance and so man i, I thank you for that lord thank you so much that that's the way that you operate you're not like us you're not you're not like us god you are so different you are so holy and so, Lord, I just want to pray for anyone in here. I wasn't planning on doing this, actually. If, if there's anybody in here who, yeah, I need to practice self-denial. I, I, I haven't been practicing self-denial. I've just been satisfying my own flesh, my own desires. Maybe it's not gross sexual sin, but it's still idolatry. So if there's anyone in here who, who's yeah, I need to, I need to start denying myself. I want to pray for you. You don't have to say why. I just, I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. And so if there's anyone, and I'm, I'm I'm raising my hand because I need, I need that band. Like you guys aren't exempt. If if anybody needs assist, like you're just like, man, I haven't been denying myself. I need to start denying myself. I want to pray for you. And so I'm, I'm seeing, seeing a lot of hands. I just, I just want to make sure like we're all, <laughs> we're all in agreement. You know what? Just stand up. <laughs> Put your hand down and just stand up. If that's you. And so let's all pray. We're, we're all here. We're all recognizing that we, we need to deny ourselves. And it can start by, by simply fasting. It can start by simply fasting. Humbling ourselves before the Lord, skipping a meal, and seeking him in those moments. Let's start denying ourselves. Let's deny ourselves this week. Let's deny ourselves. So let's, 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 let's get into prayer. God, you see all of us, you see all of us standing here. We're all recognizing God that we need to, there's, there's something missing, God. There's a lot of pride in us, God. There's a lot of self-focus in us. There's a, there's a lot of confidence in ourselves and so, Father, I just pray that as, as now we are, we are all admitting, God, we're all confessing that we have this problem. Lord, I, I pray that we would all be able to, to start denying ourselves, even if it means just starting with fasting, God. And I pray that as we all uh, begin to deny ourselves, and for those of us who are going to start fasting in order to begin this, to get this ball rolling, God, I pray that in our fasting, we would just be so focused on you, God, that we wouldn't be focused on the misery of not eating or, or trying to be seen by others or, or the excitement, oh, I can't wait to tell somebody what I'm doing. No, that God, that we would just be focused on you. Change us, God. Make us more like your son. Make us more humble. Make us more selfless, God. God, just give us a true understanding of who we are before you. And God, I know that you're going to do it in love. And so I thank you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.